0: truly appreciate it it does feel weird to preach with a hat on but it would feel more weird to preach with with hat hair than the hat at this point so we're going to leave it on with the microphone i feel a little like george Strait or um uh, some of those other guys that uh, sing with their hat on so if i break into song um probably probably not going to happen probably not going to happen the Not-So-Inconsequential, How the Family Was Broken is the title of our sermon this morning. Um, marrying a prostitute who continues to prostitute herself, who leaves the family and sells herself to the sex trade, and doesn't really seem, it doesn't really seem like a love story to me. My goal this morning is to challenge our feelings about this idea. I want you to leave here today with a different idea about this love story. I want you to understand this love story as our love story. I want it to be your favorite love story because it is our love story. The relationship between us and God. The minor prophets, the not so inconsequential, they call them minor, but I think they have a major message. Let's get caught up from last week. So I want you to, and I noticed that Amos is missing. Um, if anybody finds Amos, he's very famous, but he's not on our bulletin I, it was pointed out to me that he's not there, so if you find it, let me know where he's at so I can get him on the bulletin <laughs> so I want us to say him together by the end of this series we have seventeen weeks of this series, and it'll be interrupted with mother's Day and Father's Day and Friend Day and other stuff um, and what Easter. Easter yeah, all kinds of things it'll be it'll be interrupted thankfully interrupted. Um, by those things. But after the 17 weeks that we spend in the Minor Prophets, I want everybody to be able to say the books of the Bible from Hosea to Malachi. And it's only 12. All right? So let's say them together Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. See, it was simple. Y'all got it? Yeah. Let's hear it. Don? I just can't <laughs> 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 these prophets came in a dark time it was a dark time God wasn't talking a lot but he, talk, he spoke through these men a prophet was simply one who speaks for another I mentioned last week that I had a prophet in my house Right? said Cameron goes back bow on the back porch and I give her a message to say I said tell those kids to come in it's time to eat and she goes out and she prophesies Right? she speaks for me she says dad said it's time to eat come on let's go no, I don't want to. It reminds me of someone else I know. God tells us all these great amazing things and tells us how to act and how to, how to be in a relationship with Him. And we sort of sit around and, and kick the dirt and just play with our trucks in the dirt and do the silly things that we like to do as humans instead of listening to what God asks us to do. Last week we discussed the depth and pain of our sin toward God, and his response of deep, committed love. It's a picture of our love story, the hurt and pain separation we have initiated, and the deep, passionate, intimate love that God responds with. So let's break down Hosea a little bit. In your bulletin, if you want to fill in in the blanks, you can. 19 times this term prostitution is used. Nineteen times this term prostitution is used in in the book of Hosea. Nineteen times we come back and hear also the phrase acknowledging God. Acknowledging God is used uh, in the book of Hosea. Fifteen times the phrase loving kindness is used. Ninety-six times God calls his people by name. God didn't call his people a name. He called them by name. It was an honoring thing. Do you remember your father, your mother, calling you by name in a positive way? Sometimes they use your middle name when it's not so uh, not so positive, right? When Cameron hears her middle name, she knows dad's a little upset. I don't know how it happened with the other two. Castle Ann and Corbin Jace just kind of, just, it just flows. Cameron Elizabeth, if I say that, she's in trouble. God uses, he calls us by name. His patience, his persistence is overwhelming. I want us to spend just a couple of minutes and look at a couple of um, reasons or a couple of ways that, are, uh, dive into your books um, for just a second. There are several passages of scripture in the book of Hosea that kind of stand out. And they're they're verses that I want you to highlight. If you've got your Bible, if you've got an app that you stick with, I want you to highlight them and put them in there uh, because they're ones that you want to recognize. When you open the book of Hosea, you want to be able to find these passages of Scripture in the book of Hosea. And I want some participation. If you've brought your old Bible, I want to know what verses are highlighted in your Bible and why they're highlighted. Alright, let's just spend just a couple minutes. Who's got one? Anybody have one highlighted in their Bible? I have four six highlighted. Does anybody have four six? Hosea four six? I got four six. Is that highlighted? Yeah. That's one that I've got highlighted. What's it say? My people are being destroyed. Because they don't know me. What's the new American standard? Like to score lack, of lack of knowledge when people are destroyed. Okay. I have that one highlighted. What's the next one? I put another one up there, didn't I? Say at 6-6. Six, six. How's that one? What's that one? How's that one go? What's this one talking about? Kind of this whole idea of religion is has become more about us than about God, right? And I've I've highlighted this one in Hosea because I think it's it's one that really speaks to what God desires out of each and every one of us. 6-6 says I want you to I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. God wants us to know him, not necessarily be burning, burning sacrifices and, and, and offerings. Okay? Um, 6-6 is highlighted. What else? Anybody else have one? You don't have to just do the ones I've got. 11-1, I think, is one that we use as a, a somewhat of a prophecy. Yeah. Called my son out of Egypt. Um, obviously, Christ Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and then they escaped to Egypt. Um, God called him back out of Egypt, and this is kind of a prophecy that Hosea is giving. Um, so I've got 11.1 1 also. Six. Okay, what's 12.6? So now come back to your God, act mm-hmm. on the principles of love and justice, and always live in confident dependence on your God. Always depend on God. I love that one too. Very good. 12:12:6. 12, 12, Any other one? Anybody else have one highlighted? 11, nine. Well, you have the whole thing highlighted. No, I'm just kidding. What's 11-9? For I am God, not a man. Okay, yes, yes. We're going we're gonna to talk about that one today. Yeah, it, he's, not, he's not a mortal man. He's not a, he's not a human. He's not going to respond to us like a human is going to respond to us. God is God. He's not a mortal man. Excellent. Thank you for doing that. We're going to try to do that every, uh, every time we get to a, a, new, uh, a new minor prophet. And um, just kind of look at those. So if, if, you, if you have an old Bible that you've done a lot of highlighting in and you've spent some time in, um, bring it with you um, from now on. And if you don't want to bring it with you, at least transfer the highlights from whatever that old Bible had to your new Bible so that you can share with us and uh, what you've got highlighted in these, uh, these minor prophets. All right, so let's, let's uh, dive in and uh, figure out how this, how this family was broken. First, we're going to look at how how the bride forgot about marriage, and then we'll look at how the kids forgot about what dad is really all about. Picture this. God is the prosecuting attorney. He brings charges against his people. I want us to look at at Hosea chapter 4. Go back there with me to Hosea chapter 4. Hosea chapter 4, we're going to start reading in verse 1. Are you there? Everybody good? Alright, Hosea chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord, O people of Israel. The Lord has brought charges against you. indictment. He's indictment. He's, he's bringing charges against His people. There is no faithfulness, no kindness, no knowledge of God in your land. You make vows and break them and kill and steal and commit adultery. There is violence everywhere, one murder after another. That is why your land is in mourning and everyone is wasting away. Even the wild animals, the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea are disappearing. Don't point your finger at someone else and try to pass the blame. My complaint, you priests, is with you. So you will stumble in broad daylight and your false prophets will fall with you in the night and I will destroy Israel, your mother. My people are, are being destroyed because they don't know me. Since you priests refuse to know me, I refuse to recognize you as my priests since you have forgotten the laws of your God. I will forget to bless your children. Keep going. Verse 7, The, most, the more priests there are, the more they sin against me and they have exchanged the glory of God for the shame of idols. When the people bring their sin offerings, the priests get fed. So the priests are glad when the people sin. What? Mm Mm-hmm. Sounds like another time in history, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Verse 9. And what the priests do, the people also do. So now I will punish both priests and people for their wicked deeds. They will eat... And still be hungry. They will play with, pro- the, w- play with the prostitute and gain nothing from it. For they have deserted the Lord to worship other gods. Wine has robbed my people and of their understanding. Uh, they, have, they ask a piece of wood for advice. <laughs> they think a stick can tell them the future. Longing after idols has made them foolish. They have played with the prostitute, serving other gods and deserting their God. They offer sacrifices to idols on the mountaintops. They go into the hills and burn incense in the pleasant shade of the oaks. Hmm. Interesting. All kinds of connections popping into my brain. Is it it for you? Poplars and and terabith trees. This is why your daughters turn to prostitution and your daughters-in-law commit adultery. But why should I punish them? For their prostitution and adultery. For your men are doing the same thing, sinning with the horse and shrine prostitutes. O foolish people, you refuse to understand, so you will be destroyed. Verse 15 Though you, O Israel, are a prostitute, may Judah not be guilty of such things. Do not join the false worship of Gilgal or Beth Haven, and do not take oaths there in the Lord's name. Israel is stubborn like a stubborn heifer. So should the Lord feed her like a lamb in a lush pasture. Leave Israel alone because she is married in idolatry, to idolatry. When the rulers of Israel finish their drinking, off they go to find some prostitutes. They love shame more than honor. So a mighty wind will sweep them away. Their sacrifices to idols will bring them shame. The bride forgot. The bride forgot that God defines what this relationship looks like. We don't. God defines what this relationship looks like. The bride forgets, the church forgets, we forget that God defines. There's a diluting of the relationship with the religion of the world. It says that Israel cries out to their Baal rather than to their husband God. They continue to do the religion, but it was their way, not God's. It started with their priests, their 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 leadership and it trickled down. They diluted their relationship with God. They made it to be what they wanted. It was all about them rather than what God wanted. It seems to me Hosea fits so well with where we live today. So many religious activities. Some of it good in and of itself, but really not what God is asking for. It's worship, but it's got our own twist to it. It's God on our terms. We make it to church service when it's convenient for us. We obey his commands when we understand that they actually benefit us. And these commands, having these commands in our lives actually makes us, brings us more joy. So we go ahead and obey. There are thousands of voices today that claim to come from a Christian perspective. You can find people and organizations that claim they are the bride of Christ who will let you be the person you are and even were. They will accept your lifestyle, the way, the, your, your way of life, your attitude, just the way it is. Your half-heartedness will go unnoticed because the leadership is the same way, often having impure and selfish motives. We've gotten to a place in Christianity as a whole where everything is okay. This idea of tolerance, my choice of sexual orientation is okay, my obsession with my career path is okay, my choices are okay, my living arrangement is okay, everything is going to be okay. We want to be okay with God, but we want to live our lives the way we want to. And God screams out, I am the one who defines what the relationship looks like. You've got it all wrong. What does he ask for in relationship? He brings charges against his people in a court of law, as if in a court of law in this passage of Scripture that we just read. To understand more fully, we have to go back to the original commitment, the original ceremony. Many of you can think back about how that marriage ceremony went for you, if you're married. What was that relationship like? What was that marriage like? What was that, how, how did that ceremony take place? <clears throat> Here's how it took place for God's people. God brought them out of Egypt. Exodus chapter 19 verse 3. It says, Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before the Lord. The Lord called him to the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if, highlight, underline, circle, if, if you will obey me, And keep my covenant. Then, circle, highlight, underline, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples of the earth. For all the earth belongs to me and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. He put a ring on our finger. He put a ring on Israel's finger that day. God put one on his. He was going to keep this covenant. And he did then on the night in which he was betrayed he got their attention and he said this is a new covenant that i have sealed with my blood in a few minutes we'll partake of the lord's supper this reinstituting of this new covenant this bringing the old covenant into the new testament and making it about the same thing god is the husband we as the church are the bride Will you enter this marriage covenant? God said, I'm all in. Israel said they would. They've gone to a place where it's more about them than God. Their religion is slick and it's easy. It meets their needs just fine. They feel like they've, they're being fed. They, they brought some, they really sort of bought some hell insurance. That's really all it is. Doesn't it seem like people today are doing the same thing? It was in the dim light of an open fire, of an Indian village, and the camp counselor scared me to death with his description of hell, so I prayed a prayer that he told me to pray, and I asked heaven into my heart then and there. I got God on my side. It's a great religion. I can call on him whenever I need him, and when I don't, I can just live my life the way I want. You have to understand that God's relationship back then was different than it is now. What? God said, "If you obey, then you will be my people." Are you getting me? You have to understand, but the, the, the times are just different now. I mean, God is a God is a, different in a sense. He is He's more loving God now. He's not so concerned about our choices. He He understands in today's society and uh, and economy that things are different. He's okay with us making our own decisions about where we go and what we do and how we use our money. He understands that sometimes it's not convenient for us to follow him in the way he asks. He's a merciful and gracious God. Wait a minute. Since when? When did God change? Why do we think he doesn't care anymore about how the relationship looks? I think we're constantly trying to redefine what this relationship with him looks like. God is the one who defines the relationship. We have a choice, in or out. God defines it. Let's look at a recipe for relationship. I want you to, I think these are all kind of, we're going to blast through these. So hopefully if you don't have a place to write these down, um, grab a bulletin because I think they're all in there. All these are, the First John, I, I call this a recipe for relationship. There's a whole bunch of verses and I just kind of put them all together in a, in a big long string, but it's absolutely phenomenal how these are all together. Uh, recipe for relationship. What's God last for? Look at it. First John 1, 6 and 7. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light Then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. We're not living in spiritual darkness. 1 John 2, verses 3 through 6, And we can be sure that we know Him if we obey His commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commands, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love Him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Recipe for relationship, what's God asking for? He's asking for obedience. First John chapter 2, verse 9. If anyone claims, I am living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to God or the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. What brings darkness? Hating a fellow believer. You got hatred in your heart? Is there that one person that you're just not willing to forgive? Yeah, but you don't understand. You don't understand what they did to me. No. There's no caveats here. No, there's no conditions to this. So if you hate them and claim to love God, you're a liar. 1 John 2, 9 says, If, he, if anyone claims I'm living in the light but hates... Oh, we just read that one. Uh, let's go to 1 John 2, verse 15. Yikes, yeah, this one's hard to swallow. First John 2.15 Do not love this world, nor the things it offers. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. A craving for everything we see. And a pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but they're from the world. This world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Ouch. Okay, stop already. Preacher, that's enough. That's enough. We get it. No, there's more. Look at First John 3, verse 4. Anyone who sins is breaking God's law. For all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, but, and there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. This message you've heard from the beginning, we should love one another. Why do we act like that, for, that verse doesn't apply to us? Why do we act like that verse doesn't apply to us? It hurts, doesn't it? Wow. That's a little too close to home. Look at 1 John 3, verse 16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also have to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees his brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Recipe for relationship. That's what God wants out of us. That's what a relationship with God looks like. God defines the relationship. We don't. God says, Israel, I have made a covenant with you. I'm committed to you. But you've gotten to a place where your religious activities, your worship is for yourselves. It's not about me anymore. It's, not, it's all about you. You don't love others. You aren't pursuing a relationship with me anymore. There's no difference in your lifestyle, in the world around you. This lifestyle you are living doesn't look like a covenant lifestyle that I ask you for. You've been whoring around. In a court of law, he brings these charges. Your language, the swearing... Taking my name in vain, the way you do business, the way you do relationships, the way you do your sexuality, the way you do your pornography, the way you do your pursuit of material possessions, it's all fallen back into looking like the rest of the world. God takes his ring and he says, you've broken your marriage vows. You're no longer living a covenant relationship with me. Go with me to Hosea chapter 6. Hosea chapter 6. We're going to dive into this passage just a little bit more. Hosea chapter 6, starting in verse 4. It says, O Israel and Judah, what should I do with you, asks the Lord? For your love vanishes like the morning mist and disappears like dew in the sunlight. Ouch. That hurts. He's telling how it really is. is. Is our relationship shallow? Your worship, your songs, your prayer. God's word is reserved for only this 45 minutes or half an hour that we're here discussing it. Oh, how I miss God's word on the other six and a half days. It's so short and only thought about for a few fleeting moments. It's like the morning dew. He says, For your love vanishes like the morning mist and disappears like dew in the sunlight got to my desk Thursday morning there's this beautiful white frost covering the roofs of the trailer houses out my window they actually looked kind of pretty then by 8 o'clock the Sun came out and it melted off they were back to their ugly clashing browns and grays our love is like the morning mist who just kind of melts away Your worship is reserved for church time, and only church time. It's shallow. Verse 5, look at it. Chapter 6, verse 5. I sent my prophets to cut you to pieces, to slaughter you with my words, with judgments as inescapable as light. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. God says I don't want you in church if you aren't loving others. I don't want you claiming Christianity if you aren't acknowledging me the other six and a half days. Verse 7 But like Adam, you broke my covenant and betrayed my trust. Verse 8 Gilead is a city of sinners, tracked, tracked the footprints of blood. Priests form bands of robbers, waiting to ambush their victims. They murder travelers along the road to Shechem and practice every kind of sin. Yes, I have seen something horrible in Ephraim and Israel. My people are defiled by prostituting themselves with other gods. Oh Judah, a harvest of punishment is also waiting for you, though I wanted to restore the fortunes of my people. Yes, you have a religion and worship, but it's not what I committed to. You've made it your own thing. Church, I want us to understand that God defines what the relationship looks like, not us. And I have I have a tendency, I have a uh, I have a feeling that we we have this thought process that it's it's not really about Him, it's about us. And we get to thinking that, and it's scary. The bride forgot that God defines the relationship. Number two, bride, the bride forgot that worship is all about God. It's all about who God is, not what we get. Yes, I get Him as Father, and yes, I get the hope of heaven. I understand those, those great promises that we get. But when we make church more about the short-term gain, we make religion more about what I get now, we have forgotten what God said worship is about. In those days, they worship a golden statue. It said there that they, they worshiped a, a stick, a piece of wood. They called this, this statue Baal because it made them feel good. It made them feel like there was a tangible item that they could be praying to. What's the difference between worshiping Baal and worshiping God? What's the difference between worship being all about me versus being all about God? I wrote some stuff down. Let me, let me just share it with you. Worshiping Baal means that we get, we get out of church and we say, well, how did that make me feel? Worshiping God says, what did I learn about him today? Worshiping Baal says, what can I get from this, and how can it benefit me? Worshiping God says, what can I give because of this? Worshiping Baal says, how can I be blessed from being here today? Worshiping God says, how can I honor God and bless others today? Worshiping Baal says, when does, when does my kingdom benefit from being here? Worshiping God says, How am I a benefit to his kingdom here? Worshiping Baal is when 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 I do religion expecting to get something in return. Worshiping God is when I simply obey Him because He is God. God's people forgot that worship is all about Him, not them. What the bride forget, number three, faithfulness, is an all-in, an all-or-nothing commitment. We should be all-in. It's an all-or-nothing commitment. We get this in our our marriage relationships, but when it comes to God, we miss it. Let me explain. Go with me here. Let's say... Let's say I cheated on my wife five times last year. And you went up to Carol and you asked, so Carol, how, uh, how is Lloyd as a husband? Oh, he's good. Is he faithful? What would her response naturally be? Oh yeah, he's great. Out of all the nights last year, he gave me more than 99% of them. He's so good to me. Only five times last year was he unfaithful. And he had so many opportunities. No way. Not five times. Not one time. Not one time in 21 years. What would the answer be if it was only once in 21 years? What would Carol answer when she was asked, Carol, has your husband been faithful? What would the answer be? No. We get it when it comes to marriage between a man and a woman. How come we can't get this when it comes to our relationship with God? We pledge our love and our loyalty. We commit to our relationship with him. He gives us his, his word. His, here's, here's what I desire for my bride. We so many times say, well, that part really just doesn't apply to me. We live in a different culture and, and times are different these days. Socially, it's just a different time. We cannot treat the Word of God in this way. Well, you see, we've learned socially that really sexuality is a little different than than what you said it would be. The church at Loveland is never going to discount the Word of God. If God's Word says it, we're going to take it like it says it. When we get to heaven and, and the church at Loveland gets there and and God calls us up. He, he calls us up there and up in front. And he says, you know what? It's, it's, you're, you're great and all, but, but I really think that you just took my word a little bit too seriously. <laughs> you know what? If that's what happens, yeah. and we made it, yeah. then I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Because yeah. we're there. Hosea is crying out for God. He's saying... Partial obedience is disobedience. Gary Smith wrote a book called The Preaching Prophets. I love the way he puts it. Listen. Shading the truth, cheating on a test, not bothering to tithe, or unfaithfulness to God do not seem to be very serious or near as serious as prostitution. Yet God views all sins as unholiness, treacherous acts which undermine a relationship, a breaking a love commitment to him, a prostituting of loyalties. In spite of their great unfaithfulness, God loved the sinful people of the world so much that he willingly forgave their acts of prostituting themselves to self-interest, fame, fortune, pleasure, drugs, work, or popularity. In this sinful conditions of unfaithfulness, no qualities made people attractive. No good reason explained God's love, but God still loved. Get this. The ugliness of sin exposed the exceeding greatness of God's love. The ugliness of sin exposed the exceeding greatness of of God's love. I've been thinking, some of you may have been as well. Why are we studying prostitution? Why do we keep saying that word? Why do we keep thinking about that? Because it's our love story. We come to church and we worship only till church is over. And when we go out, we do life the way we want to do it. We've chosen to look at the things that God has clearly written about this relationship. And we've made a ton of excuses why it doesn't apply to us and and our lifestyle and the way we live. God says you've broken the relationship. And still God doesn't respond in anger, but in loving kindness. Just simply, if you choose your own path... You will live a life of discontentment. You will not be fulfilled. Things will not go well with you. In hopes that he can bring you back, the bride forgot what the relationship looked like. So let's real quick look to close at what the kids forgot about Dad. Hosea eleven. Turn there right with me. Hosea eleven. Couple couple pages over. Hosea eleven, chapter one, uh, chapter eleven, verse one. When Israel was a child, I loved him. I called. My son out of Egypt, but the more I called to him, the farther he moved from me, offering sacrifice to the image of Baal and burning incense to idols. Verse three I myself taught Israel how to walk, leading him along by the hand, but he doesn't know and even care that it was I who took care of him. I led Israel along with my ropes of kindness and love. I lifted the yoke of his neck, and I myself stooped to feed him. The kids forgot kids forgot about dad. Dads, you remember how sore your back got when you were leaning down like this, holding on to their little hands, walking around with them? Do you remember how sore your back got when you held the seat behind their bicycle and ran down the street back and forth, back and forth 20,000 times, it seemed like. We do the same with God. Dad provided everything they had. They forget what dad had done for them. So many times we start thinking everything we have comes from our own motivation, our own hard work. We start thinking we're big kids now, we've got this. God says, Wait a minute. Don't you remember the times that your little fist gripped my pinky finger as I taught you to walk? Still we forget. Verse 5 Will they return to Egypt and will not Assyria rule over them because they refuse to repent? It wasn't the sin. It was the lack of repentance. Verse 6. A sword will flash in their cities. It will devour their false prophets and put an end to their plans. My people are determined to turn from me. Even though they call me God Most High, I will by no means exalt them. Because you are no longer mine, you have chosen your own way. When you fall flat on your face, I will no longer be there to catch you. The kids forget how dead provided what did the kids forget they forget that dad won't be savior without being in charge because of false prophets in this day and age christianity has become all about us all comfortable and easy they say jesus died on the cross and all you have to do is is say a prayer and ask jesus into your heart and and you can live exactly the way you want because salvation is not about not about being god lord of your life it's about you know just him helping out every now and then it's a pathetic excuse for christianity God said, if you obey me and follow my commands, then you will be mine. Not if you say a 30-second prayer, you're in for the rest of your life. God's word proclaims the parameters of this relationship. We forget God won't be a savior without being in charge. Look at verse 8. Oh, how I give you up, Israel. How can I let you go? How can I destroy you like Adma and demolish you like Zeboim? My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. Verse 9. No, I will not unleash my fierce anger. I will not completely destroy Israel. For I am God and not mere mortal man. I am the Holy One living among you and I will not come to destroy For someday the people will follow me. I, the Lord, will roar like a lion. And when I roar, my people will return trembling from the west. Like a flock of birds, they will come from Egypt, trembling like doves. They will return from Assyria, and I will bring them home again, says the Lord. The kids forgot dad's unfairness cannot be taken for granted. Dad's unfairness cannot be taken for granted. God says, I'm not going to treat you like any other man would. I'm going to be unfair well that's kind of weird why would you say God's being unfair because we've been whoring around day after day night after night I'm not going to be unfair I'm going to be unfair I'm not going to destroy you God says I'm not going to he's going to bring us back and buy us back I'm so grateful for God's unfairness if God wasn't unfair we'd all be toast a long time ago I wouldn't be here it must have been a long time ago where I, I yeah. Wouldn't have happened. Second Peter 3 9, we're gonna end with this verse. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. You want your life your own way, you want a life of rebellion, a life of fence walking, a life of lukewarmness be a people discontent, full of hardships, lacking joy, lacking fulfillment, not being allowed to celebrate in spite of who you have become. And the unfaithfulness on our part, God in his infinite love for us has bought us back. Hosea really is a true illustration of our love story. We as the bride have forgotten so much. As 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 a husband he is jealous. We've been whoring around on him. And as kids, we've forgotten so much. As dad, as a dad, he's given us so much. We don't deserve his unfairness. God in his amazing, infinite love, wants a deep, passionate, intimate relationship with each and every one of us. We've got to realize that he is in charge. And our salvation is dependent on it. Let's pray. God, change us. God, be in us what you want us to be. God, allow us to see that this relationship recipe is for our own good. But God, help us to stop whoring around. Help us to stop removing our ring and being unfaithful to you. God, bring about faithfulness within. Send your spirit and guide us and lead us. And, and, and make us be the people that you want us to be. Help us to be that that chosen people. The people that, that make you smile, that make you grin uh, when you look down here. That helps to make decisions even today, God, that will put you more first place in our lives. Help us to take those priorities that we've seen from, from what you want in a relationship with us and help us to make them number one in our lives and start acting like it. Start working in that direction. Uh, don't let us be apathetic about it. Let us be real about it and want you as our God, God, thank you so much for the the depth of your love, allowing us to, to be unfaithful like we are, but God, you still calling us back, and wanting us to buy, wanting to buy us back. Helps to focus on things, on these things. Thank you again for loving us like you do, for caring so much about us, for being such a great husband to the church, to us, the bride of the church. Thank you for being such a good dad to us, as the children that so often. Fall flat on our face because we forget who you who you are and what you've been. God, I pray that we can see these things and do better from now on. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.